Exactly a breaking news episode, but sort of, kind of. We've moved up the podcast today because of some of the developments over the weekend. Had some people ask on the board, and I did did wind up getting married. Nothing uh, crazy. Uh, very fun ceremony with a bunch of our friends and family. And while I was gone, Kip and Ben held down the fort. And I'll throw it to you, Kip. Uh, anything interesting while I was off on the beach and uh, getting a little time away from the computer? Yeah, I can't remember anything happening, but uh, I'm just checking to make sure, typing in the junkyard to make sure the URL still works. Um, it looks like it, it's still there. A little smoke and flames coming off of it. But uh, yeah, a pretty uneventful week overall. Nothing really happened. Typical uh, staffer takes a vacation and, uh, you know, we just kind of um, get bored over the course of a week. So I mean, Ben got tired of me texting him. I didn't know if there was anything for us to do. Um, so overall, it's just, you know, we were just waiting on you to kind of get back so you can just tell us what to write about. It was very, very nice of Georgia to hold off, uh, you know, just unleashing a ton of news uh, while I was gone. And, and guys, let's jump into the biggest development that really kind of came to a close over this weekend. Georgia, with a couple of staff openings, Brian McClendon goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Dale McGee gets the head coaching job at Georgia State. Georgia has made the moves to fill those positions. They started on Friday night, getting a name that's very very familiar to Georgia fans. James Coley, the former wide receivers coach and later offensive coordinator for the Bulldogs. He's coming back, leaving South Carolina after just a few months there in Columbia to be the new receivers coach for the Bulldogs. And then on Sunday night, Josh Crawford from Georgia Tech, he had been coaching the wide receivers there for the Yellow Jackets. He's coming in to replace Del McGee. He will be the running backs coach. I'm going to start with you, Kip, and let's talk about the first of these hires with James Coley. Uh, you know, on the on the uh, junkyard, there was a lot of mixed emotions about seeing him come back. Uh, but what do you make of the decision to bring James Coley back and what he can provide the Bulldogs as the receivers coach? Yeah, it's funny. We had like a, what, 24 or 48-hour period where we were talking about Glenn Schumann being the only original staff member still still around. And, well, Kirby's got a sense of humor. He said, guess what? That number is back to two with James Coley. And, yeah, I get it. Uh, you, when you bring back familiar names, for fans, it's not it, sometimes it's not as exciting, especially when, you know, the departures aren't, promotions you know i everyone is going to point to james coley as an offensive coordinator and i mean honestly i think that that his stint was doomed from the start just based on the playmakers that georgia had uh i, I just going into that season not bringing back you know uh uh an elite pass catcher room uh which has become kind of the focus for georgia the last couple of off seasons uh, just really didn't have the personnel to to really change the offense at all. So his hashtag of change the game just did not come to fruition with, with him as the offensive coordinator. But he's not being hired to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. I think the whole point is that 
Georgia was had an opening for a wide receivers coach. And James Coley did a very good job recruiting wide receivers to Georgia and recruiting in general. And if you just, you know, we go over just this offseason in general and, and talk about the coaching hires that, that Kirby Smart made, I think it was pretty clear what his outlook was for this coaching staff. He wanted to have a mix of in-state, but really nationally, you know, that national recruiting strategy. And James Coley's ties to South Florida um, are, are well known. I mean, they're, everyone knows that's that's his area that he has connections with. And, you know, the fact that he brought in the most talented wide receiver Georgia's had and George Pickens, you know, as far as in the Kirby Smart era, I mean, that right there should show you okay, you know, this is a guy you want to have on staff because George Pickens, I mean, no one thought he was going to Georgia a month before signing day. You know, James Coley went in there and, and got that done, but it's not just the wide receiver position. I mean, Tyson Campbell is not at Georgia if James Coley isn't on staff. And then, you know, we're talking about another departed uh, coach. Kenny McIntosh and James Cook are, are not at Georgia if not for James Coley. So, I mean, those guys are players that help Georgia get rings. And then even looking at this year's team, um, there was an eval, an early quarterback eval done by Jim Chaney, uh, quarterback down in Jacksonville and Carson Beck. Uh, Jim Chaney did not like his throwing motion. Uh, Carson Beck's father will tell you that, you know, he wasn't high on Georgia's board under Jim Chaney. And, you know, then Coley, Coley had a very different opinion of him. And that is what got Georgia in the mix there and ultimately helped with Todd Hartley as well being the area recruiter. But that's, I mean, that's why Carson Beck's on Georgia's roster right now is because of James Coley and his, you know, different eval at that quarterback position. So I just think overall for Kirby Smart, he is looking at this for, again from a overall recruiting strategy standpoint, knowing that he had an opportunity this offseason to, you know, just change up the roster. And obviously a lot of these were, you know, made by decisions of his current coaching staff to depart for other jobs. But uh, again, Kirby plans for these type of things. He always gives when he's with the media, he talks about it and he'll probably talk about his next availability that he wants his his coaching staff to be able to get other jobs and get promotions. And he wants that opportunity to exist in Athens, because when that's happening, that means that you have success as a program. So you know that every offseason he he plans on these things happening. And I'm sure that he's had guys that he's thought about, uh, you know, at every position on, on his staff. And so I think it's one of those where we're not saying trust Kirby and, and there aren't any reasons to doubt him because he's not infallible. But I think he's established a track record, especially when you look at bringing in guys that no one knows about, like Fran Brown, who then, you know, gets a head coaching job just a couple of years later and recruits a position lights out, having never been in the SEC. I just think that Kirby's got that benefit of the doubt at this point in the coaching staff decisions he makes. Yeah, I think it's smart to bring up his approach when it comes to guys leaving. It's almost like you'll hear athletic directors talk about, you know, we have a list of five or six names just in a drawer that's like break in case of emergency. And Georgia's at the point where they know that other programs are going to go try to get their guys and they have to know what they're looking for if an assistant leaves. And time and time again, Georgia's done a very good job of filling those roles. You know, James Coley, I can understand people who are frustrated by his time as the offensive coordinator, but like you said, Kip, you know, that's not going to be his role. He did a very good job as a receivers coach. They brought in a ton of talent. And what I'm really interested in seeing, him and T-Rob 
on the staff recruiting Miami. I mean, it, it's going to be unreal what they're able to do. Ben, what do you make of James Coley coming back to Athens? What it means for Georgia, what he can provide for the staff? Well, I, I would repeat a lot of what Kip said there in terms of I, this is an all position coach hires are to me it, it, under Kirby Smart, at least they are hires made to sign the best football players in the country. And I think that anybody who's caught up in James Coley Stanton as an offensive coordinator is worried about the wrong things in terms of why Kirby Smart would make a James Coley hire for the wide receiver position opening because what Georgia wants to do is elevate the caliber of wide receivers that it's bringing to Athens. And quite frankly, in the Kirby Smart era, I think the highest caliber of high school recruiting that Georgia had was when James Coley was on the staff. I think the evaluations were there were where they needed to be. And then the acquisition itself was where it needed to be. And that's not to say that Georgia hasn't done a really good job of evals recently and has obviously, you know, transitioned toward more of a transfer portal approach at that position group. But I think that Kirby Smart, as always, will see an opportunity to improve the way that they're recruiting the wide receiver position. And I think that, you know, James Coley is someone that did it successfully at Texas A&M for all the faults that Texas A&M might have had securing really talented wide receivers was not one of them when James Coley was there we talked last week Kip and I did about the NIL approach is different at Georgia at the receiver position than it is at other schools around the country so that can limit you a little bit as that position coach at Georgia but I don't think in James Coley's case that that that's going to to be a major factor I think that he's someone that's going to get talented wide receivers on campus. I wrote about this uh, earlier this week or last late last week that the, the reason James Coley's name was coming up in this search was because Georgia knows he can sign elite football players. Like he, that's what he's done. They don't have to worry about it because they've seen it firsthand. And I think that that familiarity, when you lose four position coaches in one off season, I think regaining some of that familiarity is really, really important. And, you know, again, James Coley's issues in Athens were never bringing really good football players to Athens. They were really one season as offensive coordinator where play calling, you know, fell short in the eyes of many. And that's why a change was ultimately made. But I think that some of that season probably gets overblown in terms of his shortcomings and his failures. I think that they were obviously you know, rectified pretty quickly by making the Todd Munkin hire. But I don't think that there was really anything other than Georgia feeling they could make an upgrade at the offensive coordinator spot back then was the reason why he was no longer on the staff. I don't think it was anything that he was doing from a recruiting standpoint. I don't think it was anything that he was doing from a coaching or developing or building relationships standpoint. I really do think that Georgia knew that it could make an upgrade at offensive coordinator. And so it did back then. But I think that the fact that he has returned tells you that Kirby Smart really had never, never had any doubts in his ability to be a very useful member of Georgia's coaching staff. At the very least, if you're a Georgia fan, just think of it as they're, you know, kind of a shot across the bow at South Carolina, which I know you're not playing South Carolina every year, but you're still recruiting against these guys. So for him to have been there for, I guess, a little bit over a month or so and then leave for Athens, definitely a shot at Shane Beamer, definitely a significant loss. Wow, that uh, that hit me a little bit differently, Jordan, when you said you don't play South Carolina every year. That hadn't uh, that one still hasn't fully resonated yet. It probably won't. And even when I look at like Texas and Oklahoma stats from last year, I got to be like, oh, they're in the conference uh, this season. So, so yeah, I think we're all uh, adjusting a bit. So that hire was made Friday night. And then Sunday night, we heard about a guy whose name had come up for that receivers coach position, Josh Crawford, there at Georgia Tech. 
he is coming on board. He will be the running backs coach. I'm going to throw it to you first, Ben. What do you make of this hire, bringing in a young assistant, Josh Crawford, to take over for Del McGee? And what have you sort of heard so far as far as what folks think about this hire for the Bulldogs? Well, to your point, when Kip and I were doing this last week and we were talking about the wide receiver coach opening, Josh Crawford was a name that we both brought up as someone that made a lot of sense to join Georgia's staff. And I think now that Del McGee is gone as well, it even further reinforces the value that someone like Josh Crawford brings to this staff because Brian McClendon was you know, a South Georgia guy that had a lot of ties in Atlanta. Del McGee's you know, just influence in the state of Georgia, but especially as a recruiter in the Atlanta area, it's very well proven as well. And losing both of those guys on the staff in a matter of a week took a hit for Georgia in terms of some of the in-state relationships that they have built up. Now, I'm not saying that Georgia is going to be falling short in that area because they have built up plenty of credibility there, but just those personal on-the-road relationships. I mean, Brian McClendon and Del McGee had them as strongly as anybody in the state of Georgia. And so I think Josh Crawford, as a guy who play, you know, played running back at Morehouse, has coached at GAC, Valdosta, Lee County, Colquitt County, has now been in Atlanta for the last year as a power five recruiter coaching the wide receiver position at Georgia Tech. He's someone that just has relationships built up in the state of Georgia that very few people in college football do. Now he's newer to the college game. He spent two, uh, you know, two years at Western Kentucky where they were really successful at receiver. He went to Georgia Tech this past year where he was the receivers coach, had a freshman that was really successful, including in the game against Georgia as well. But I think that what Kirby Smart saw with the Del McGee opening and you know, he probably thought about this proactively early last week when he was interviewing guys like Josh Crawford and Jimmy Smith, that there was a possibility that Del McGee was going to take this Georgia State job. And even if one of these guys weren't going to take the wide receiver opening, they were going to be candidates for the running back opening. And I, I think that I probably saw Jimmy Smith as more of the person that was getting interviewed for that and would qualify for the running back opening. But I think that Josh Crawford, because of his ties in the state of Georgia, really make a lot of makes a lot of sense to help backfill and replace what you lost with both Brian McClendon and then Del McGee at the position group that he's actually going to be coaching. You know, talking to folks around the state early last week, and I was talking about this before we hopped on, but he's wasn't someone that I was, you know, hugely familiar with. Georgia doesn't have a ton of recruiting battles against Georgia Tech these days. And so he wasn't someone that I was, you know, totally versed in what he, you know, his background and everything that he had done. But when his name come up, came up last week for the receiver opening, I wanted to ask around and just get a better understanding of who he was, what he brings, what I should know about him. And I was really fascinated as I started to reach out to people around the state of Georgia, what the feedback was and how positive all of the reactions were. I mean, I had people saying, you know, if, if Georgia were to get Josh Crawford, I mean, that would be an unbelievable hire or guys that had Georgia has recruits on their team saying, you know, if Josh gets hired over at Georgia, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be, a, they're going to be a guaranteed top team, top two for my guy. So I think that when James Coley was hired, I don't think that people were disappointed about it. I just think that people were saying, oh, there's an opportunity for Georgia to build up more of that in-state credibility by hiring someone like Josh Crawford. And lo and behold, 
Kirby Smart had that in mind the whole time. He just saw him as a fit at running back. And, you know, again, he's been coaching with a wide receiver position for his three years in the college ranks, but he played running back in college. You know, I know it's a way back when, but when he started at Greater Atlanta Christian as a high school coach, he started out coaching running back. So his familiarity with the position is definitely there. And I think that, you know, you want to hire someone that is familiar with running backs, but you also want to hire someone that you know is going to be able to recruit running backs at a high level, but also help out recruiting a lot of the other positions at a high level as well. That's what Del McGee has done for the past eight years. And, you know, this is the first time that we're going to see a Kirby smart football team at Georgia that doesn't have Del McGee as the running backs coach. And so I think finding someone that is close to him in terms of the in-state relationships and just his background and what he brings as a high school football coach in the past, I think that, you know, it makes you feel like you're not losing as much by Del McGee going to Georgia state. And I think that was really important. Josh Thompson on Facebook kind of sums it up for me. I like the Crawford hired deep roots in state of Georgia I mean, Ben rattled off all those different high schools that he's worked at. I mean, they're some of the top powerhouse programs in the state. To have a younger coach, to bring him in, to have those connections, I think it's it sets up really well for Georgia. I like the hire. Again, there were some concerns I saw on the board, people saying, well, he was the receivers coach. As Ben brought up, he played running back. He coached running back in high school. I don't think it's going to be that huge of an adjustment. Uh, I think it's a hire that makes a lot of sense. That was – he was my prediction for the receivers coach a few days ago, and then they hired Coley, and I'm like, man, I, I may go 0 for 2. I won't give myself like a half credit because they did hire him, just not for the position I expected. Kip, what do you make of the hire and bringing in Crawford, a young guy that's got some experience in the state, to fill some really big shoes in Del McGee going to Georgia State? Yeah, ultimately, I know that just the the position switch is is going to be a you know a big topic and. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see, but I mean, versatility as far as a coach, you don't you don't go in and just coach one position throughout your career. And I mean, I kind of look at the NFL and like Sean McVay um, and Shanahan, they require their coaches when they're moving up the ranks to actually coach the opposite side of the ball. You know, if you want to be a wide receivers coach, he basically has you go work with the DBs for a year. And so that philosophy tells me that, again, just being one position coach your entire career is not not feasible for most guys and, and you know you're still working with with other position groups it's not like the wide receivers coach doesn't ever spend any time with the tight ends or you know knows what the offensive line blocking philosophy is i mean you have to ha know these things because you have to work cohesively you have to gel together and know what everyone else is doing and and i, I just think with, with georgia's running back situation right now um, for the first time, I mean, they've they've they're bringing in someone from the transfer portal who's probably going to be the lead back this year. Um, it, it it's a good place for Josh Crawford to be. He's also got, as of now, seven running backs on scholarship, so he's going to have no shortage of guys to work with. Um, and and I, he's already got you know a guy committed at running back position in Bo Walker as well. So I just think it's it's a it's a great situation for him to come in and, and get comfortable at Georgia, but also I just I think Kirby's kind of playing the long game here. If you just look, I mean the the couple of years that Crawford was at Western Kentucky is going to be what's looked at the most because the numbers they put up are just stupid. I mean he had a wide receiver catch 150 passes for 1,900 yards and 17 touchdowns. I mean that's 
you, you pick like any two Georgia receivers uh, over Kirby Smart's time, and they they don't have those numbers. You know, any two, the two best seasons. It's not going to come close to that. I think they. Uh, I read that in his two years at Western Kentucky, his position group had ten thousand three hundred thirty-nine receiving yards and ninety-four touchdowns. I mean, that's those those. I get it. It's Western Kentucky, and I remember what they did with Bailey Zapp at quarterback, and it was just throwing seven hundred times. But isn't that what the? I mean, Georgia fans want those numbers. They want to read those video game numbers and go, okay, we got it. And so the fact that you're bringing in an offensive mind like that at running back position. Uh, who is not 40 years old yet. I, I just think it's Kirby playing the long game and knowing that this guy is going to continue to move up. And I think his role at Georgia will probably increase over the next couple of years. Uh, you know, maybe he is the passing game coordinator in two years. Maybe he's, a you know, an, off, an offensive coordinator down the road. Uh, I just think he's getting a guy whose stock is obviously, you know, going up and getting him at the right time. I mean, this is a guy that he might not be able to get in three to four years on this staff. Uh, so I, I think it, it's it's a good play by Kirby, um, and I think as far as just coaching the running back position, I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, this is an addition for Josh Crawford to prove he can coach other positions, and I think it, it, for him, obviously, it's a huge opportunity. And now you're going to be able to, you know, to go into high schools. You know, you went in there with last month with that Georgia Tech, and now you're coming in, you know, with the G on. I, I just think that you know, no offense to the yellow jackets, but there's a different brand there. And so he's already known throughout these high schools. Uh, he's going to be getting high fives when he walks in the door. And we already have, I mean, recruits wanted him for the wide receiver position at Georgia. So now he's on staff, they have that connection. He's going to be able to tell him he's still going to be working with him. And so I think it's going to help Georgia's wide receiver recruiting. Uh, the running back position at Georgia should recruit itself annually. Uh, so I, I think that, this was just another chess move by Kirby Smart, and I'm fascinated to see how it works because now, I mean, he's got the in-state recruiting ties locked down now with Josh Crawford. He's got another region. Uh, you know, you, you lose New England, but you pick up California and Miami. Uh, I would tell you that those are probably more, you know, deeply rooted uh as far as talent base yeah and you know there's a lot more talent in those regions even though georgia's gotten some good players from you know the the northeast uh, i think overall especially at the skill positions uh you know those are those are places you want to have connections that'll help you because with nil you want every connection you can get and i, I just think that that's how kirby smart approaches offseason yes nil is a big factor in recruiting but I want guys that are respected in different areas of the country to be able to put us in the best position to where, you know, we're not going to lose because of NIL, but we want to be able to have our foot in the door to even have an opportunity with a lot of these guys heading into, you know, the big decision months later this year. Kip, I thought for sure when you were talking about coaching versatility, you're going to bring up Raheem Morris, man. I mean, he coached receivers and coached on defense for the Falcons. The I mean, the whole only reason why I brought that up is because when Raheem Morris was hired, that's what I did. I just spent the next couple of hours just looking and seeing, you know, the coaching history of Raheem Morris, the, the coaching history of his entire coaching staff. And that's really where I learned that, uh, you know, in the NFL, that's that's what Kyle Shanahan, that's what McVay do. They have their guys coaching the other side of the ball. So that's, that's where the coaching versatility comes from. And if, if we're comparing Kirby Smart coaching decisions with Raheem Morris, I think it's going to be good news for the Falcons. So, uh, you know, I'll take it wherever I can get it. 
hope springs eternal. Uh, I think we're back on the right track to uh, to doing big things. Well, and it's also something that Kirby Smart can sell pretty well, too, because he started his Georgia coaching career at running backs coach, too. So I think that if anybody can point and say, look, just because you're starting as Georgia running backs coach doesn't mean that your future is not going to be bright. It would be Kirby Smart. Take the words right out of my mouth, Ben. We're going to take a quick break, talk a little bit about Dell McGee, who was introduced as the Georgia State head coach on Monday, and then turn our attention to the NFL Combine. Well, guys, before we fully walk away from the coaching discussion, did want to talk about Dill McGee. His introductory press conference at Georgia State was on Monday morning. Had a chance to sit and watch that. I thought he handled it really well. I was kind of curious how he would do. You know, there wasn't a ton of media availability with Dell over the years. You'd usually get him in fall camp, and then if they made the college football playoff, you would get him then. But thought he handled it really well. I thought you could really tell how much the opportunity meant to him. Uh, he made sure to thank Kirby Smart, uh, Mary Beth Smart, uh, Greg McGarity, Josh Brooks, a bunch of people around UGA. I uh, thought it was pretty funny. Uh, he was talking about Kirby and, and the conversations that they had had leading up to this and you know, getting advice from Kirby, having conversations about what the opportunity would mean. And Dell said that you know he was joking with him like, hey, man, I know you're going to come after some of my players. I'm going to bring in some really good recruits here to Georgia State. You know, he, he sort of acknowledged that if he does his job well, his old boss in Athens uh, may come call and try to bring some guys up to the SEC. But just wanted to say, you know, really excited to see Dell. Uh, when I was in Columbus, Georgia, he had already left. But, you know, he's something of a legend there in high school coaching. Uh, he had done such a good job at Carver Columbus. Uh, went up the hard way, you know, went to Auburn, was an analyst. Uh, went to Georgia Southern. I thought it was funny in today's press conference. I think he referred to them as the team down south. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of a rivalry who the real GSU is between Georgia State and Georgia Southern. But, you know, I think that's a great opportunity for Dell. I think that's a program that's sort of been, you know, something of a sleeping giant in the G5 being there in Atlanta. They've had their moments. You know, they beat Tennessee and Knoxville a few years ago. Um, they've, you know, flirted with uh, being one of the top Sunbelt teams, but I think it's a great opportunity for Dell. Uh, really interested to see what he's able to do there. You know, they're kind of starting late. They had just started spring practice when Sean Elliott left for South Carolina, so they had to pause that. And it sounds like they're going to get started here soon. But just want to make sure and mention that about Dell. I think uh, he handled that introductory pro- press conference really well. Uh, super excited to follow and see what he does uh, in the coming season and the years to come. Uh, Kip, any thoughts on Dell getting this opportunity? and uh, what he could do there at Georgia State. Yeah, it's a long time coming. And you mentioned uh, the school down south. I mean, they they could have hired him. I mean, they had that chance, uh, you know, uh, what, a decade ago? It's kind of a what, what could have been for them as they've kind of just meandered about, you know, for the most part uh, over, the, over the last decade. And now, I mean, the upstart program's got them. And so, I mean, if you're not punching air right now uh, down there in Statesboro, then I don't know what to tell you. And I also thought, you know, there was a there was also for for Dell that what you know would have been he almost followed Willie Fritz to Tulane as well. Um, so I, I'm excited for him to have this opportunity. I think uh, for Georgia State, you know, you have to have somebody. Um, with those Atlanta ties to take the next step. I think that's what they established, even though it wasn't their choice uh, for Sean Elliott to leave. 
you know, they hadn't done any better than eight and five. They hadn't actually, you know, they don't have a Sunbelt championship yet. I know that, you know, again, it's been a fast moving. They were an FCS program, uh, you know, just what, like seven or eight years ago. But uh, I think if you're looking for ceiling, I just think that that's definitely what Del McGee, he raises that ceiling. I think, you know, you have that chance to compete for conference championships. You know, as far as the state of Georgia, you now have someone that everyone in the state knows. And that is what they're they're betting on his ability to recruit, but also just the fact that he did spend so much time working under Kirby smart. He knows what it takes from a leadership standpoint. You have how organized you have to be. I mean, and I mean, Dale can, you know, look back on his time running a very, very successful Carver program and winning a state championship there and, and kind of take everything he's learned. It's been a long path for him, but, uh, his time at Georgia prepared him as well as anyone. And I think that I just think that um, he is ready for it. And uh, it was, it was, it was the right time. I, I think Kirby prepared him um, as a mentor to, to be a very successful head coach. And I think uh, for Dale McGee, I mean, this is big. I mean, the opportunity to coach your son, that's, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, that is just such an cr incredible opportunity for him. So it was just, a, it was a great fit. And you know what? Georgia's, he left Georgia in a good place as well. Uh, they have, a, like I said, a lot of running backs. Um, I, I think it kind of worked out well for everyone. And um, yeah, uh, good luck to uh, South Carolina. They gained a coach and lost a coach from this. So kind of, they broke even, I guess you could say. With Sean Elliott, I think him leaving could wind up being a blessing in disguise for Georgia State. They had lost five of their last six this past season. I do truly think he would have been on the hot seat, so I think it was sort of a reset, albeit not at a great time. But I think it works out really well for Georgia State getting Del McGee. Ben, what do you think about this opportunity for him to go down there and try to do something with the Panthers program that has had success here and there, but you know, I don't think has really taken full advantage of being there in Atlanta? I really think he makes a great deal of sense for Georgia State. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever talked about this really, but my my dad was a professor at Georgia State, so I grew up on Georgia State University. I went to, you know, Lefty Drizel, RIP, recently. The, the basketball arena named after him was right across the street from the social work building that my dad taught in. So I spent a lot of my childhood hanging out at Georgia State University sporting events, and. I remember when they founded the football program, I had the Georgia State still undefeated uh, T-shirt that I used to always wear. And so I personally am very excited for Del McGee to have this opportunity, but I also think he is such a good fit for Georgia State University for what, you know, the he talked about it during his press conference this morning. You know, he's he's a loving guy. They're going to have fun but you're going to work your tail off. I think he said like, you know, I can't remember his exact wording, but he's like, they're going to get beat up a little bit. Like it's, it's tough. Like it's going to be hard. He's coming from a place that just practiced harder than anybody else in college football. And so I think bringing that culture to Georgia state will be really good because I don't think, you know, I think they're going to have an opportunity to accumulate talent there. If Del McGee recruits to the level that he recruited, while he was in Athens. And so, you know, it's a tough gig right now being a group of five head coach. I think that's why you've seen, 
you know, a guy like Sean Elliott go back to being a position coach from that spot when things started to get a little bit tough. But I think that Del McGee is built for the type of job that Georgia State is. And I just think the culture that he's going to bring, the personality, attitude that he's going to bring to Georgia State is exactly what they need to be successful. Really interested to see their opener is at Georgia Tech. I'm kind of hoping maybe we can sort of get these kickoff times where could we maybe hit up that game at noon and maybe Georgia Clemson and Mercedes Benz is like at eight o'clock. Let's let's be really strategic with these kickoff times. I think that'll be a fun opener uh, and a good day spent in Atlanta. Yeah, that'll that'll be a really good one. Uh, Brent Key's probably sweating a little bit. You know, all the Georgia fans are going to be rooting for Georgia State even more so, knowing that they're opening against the Yellow Jackets, mm-hmm. who I guess will be coming back from Ireland, right? Oh, against uh, Florida State? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's, that's like tough, the week. That's a tough back and back, back to back right there. It's brutal. Well, before we get out of here, guys, let's talk about what's going to go on later this week in Indianapolis. Thursday, the first drills will start for the NFL Combine. We talked about a few episodes ago that 11 Georgia players have been invited. I'll run through that list real quick in case anyone missed that. Running backs, Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards. Receivers, Lab McConkey and Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Tight end, Brock Bowers. Offensive lineman, Amarius Mims and Cedric Van Pran. Defensive tackle, Zion Logue. And defensive backs, Kamari Laster, Javon Bullard, and Tyke Smith. We're planning on watching and sharing a ton of content from how these guys work out, what stands out over these days in Indianapolis. But I want to get you the opinions of both you guys on what you're watching for when it comes to this group uh, for the Bulldogs. I'll start with you, Kip. What, what interests you the most or what are you the most fascinated by when it comes to these 11 Georgia players and what we're going to try to keep an eye out for once the combine gets underway? Well, I'll begin by just saying, I mean, I've – watched the combine i mean i've been the biggest combine nerd for the last couple of decades um i can't get enough of it i know that the nfl has made this into like such a huge entertainment uh marketing machine for them Uh, just the fact that you know everyone talks about uh a glorified practice all week just shows how big the nfl is when there's you know actual sports going on so I will begin by noting that the two most important parts of this combine, none of us will see whatsoever. And that's the medicals and the interviews. We will not have access to any of that, but that's the most important part of this week. And so like for a guy like Lab McConkie, it's a big deal. You know, uh, this is, I mean, his stock will move because of that, you know, just coming off of, you know, uh, a couple of nagging injuries during his time. Um, I think that that's, that's going to be a, it's a big week for him, but for me, just knowing that he plans to participate because that news came out from Jordan Reed, or ESPN earlier today, Marius Mims, um, you know, coming off of the tightrope surgery, a guy that has less than 10 career starts, um, you know, injured again early in the SEC championship game, which was, I mean, not that I'm sorry to bring that up, but it was a pivotal point um but now he's healthy and he's going to be participating you know he's going to be doing the testing he's going to be doing the drills uh, i think as just as far as having the chance to to make yourself money um i i just think it's it's a huge week for him because he's been slotted as this first round pick and a lot of people are assuming that's just a guaranteed thing i mean he, he could definitely solidify his spot but i mean the 
he's got to do that. I mean, he has to go out there and look the part, but also just answer all the questions they have as far as his health and his, you know, his overall ability. So I just think this is a huge week for Marius Mims because, you know, he's got a chance to go in the top 20, uh, but you want to lock that up because it's a deep offensive tackle group. I mean, there could be uh, seven, eight offensive tackles going the first round. And, and if he comes out of this being, you know, OT8 on a lot of boards, like I said, uh, he he wants to come out being considered OT four, OT five to be like in that top twenty, and you don't want to fall. You know, he could fall out of the first round if you don't answer a lot of questions. So, like I said, there's, you know, we got double digit Georgia players that we're tracking. It's going to be a very Georgia focused draft once again. But I think he's just a guy that, you know, coming off the injury, uh, did not you know leave a great impression the last time. He was out there. So this is a big week for him to kind of remind everyone that he is as talented as any offensive tackle in this draft. Ben, what about you? What are you looking for from how these Bulldogs show up in Indianapolis and what they're able to accomplish during this combine? Well, I think every year we've seen at least one, if not multiple Georgia guys just kind of have surprisingly impressive days. And I don't say it's weird to say surprising at this point because we kind of come to expect that Georgia is sort of a combine factory in some respects. They train for this. They prepare for this. They set up their own combines and pro days throughout the course of their careers at Georgia. So they get very much experience in this type of setting throughout the time that they're in Athens. Um, you know, I, the names that come to mind for me, I mean, George Pickens was one that I think you know he's a super talented guy. The film is certainly there. The skill set is certainly there, but I don't know that you expect him to run or jump necessarily the way that he did at the combine. Again, Nolan Smith is someone that you see it, you see flashes, you know, there's explosiveness there, but I don't think you necessarily equate it to just dominating the combine or being the guy that someone people come away as saying is the winner of the combine. And so I think for me, it's going to be, you know, someone is going to be that guy. And I think there's a lot of candidates for it. I mean, I think Lad McConkey is someone that we've talked about as, you know, you, Sometimes you just fall into the trap of him being the small white receiver. And then you'd realize, Oh, wait a minute. This guy is a freak of nature athlete. That's why he's open all the time. I think he's going to have an opportunity to show that Kip brought up a Marius men's. I think he's someone that because of just the sheer size that he brings, some of the things that he's going to be doing athletically is really going to surprise some people. I'm interested to see the running backs run. You know, I don't know exactly what events everybody is going to participate in, but Dejon Edwards, Kendall Milton, I think that they would both benefit mightily from a really strong combine day. I think that if they show that they maybe have a little bit more high-end speed or athleticism than maybe some people feel like they have going into it, it's an opportunity for them to boost their stock up a little bit. And Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint, is another guy that I think has some athletic traits that sometimes get lost in all of it. And I think the combine will be a really good opportunity for him to flash some of that and remind folks and say, oh, yeah, this is the type of athlete that is being built in Athens on a yearly basis. And sometimes you forget about how athletic they are because they're, you know, on this team full of athletic specimens. And then you get them into a combine setting and, you know, they look different than the guys from Iowa or the guys from North Carolina State or whoever that might be. Sorry to pick on the Wolfpack and the Hawkeyes because I'm sure they've got some great players going to Indianapolis as well. Yeah, you mentioned Nolan Smith. I just have that visual of one 
all the live streams last year when all the Georgia players were going crazy after his 40, but also his vertical leap. And I remember, I want to say it was like a Patriots staffer was like right there and just, just looked like his face was going to melt off because he just couldn't believe what he did. And, you know, that wound up making Nolan Smith a whole lot of money. Definitely. I'd throw out there too. I mean, the guy that we haven't talked about, Lad's an obvious one. I want to see what Brock Bowers does just because I don't really have a feel for if he's going to just completely wow in these type of drills. Um, you know, he's just a guy that when you look at him, you're not all that impressed just physically staring at him. You know, I remember, I think I mentioned this on a podcast a few weeks ago. The very first time I saw him in person, I was sort of like, and I expected him to be a lot bigger. And then we mentioned then, you know, there was the photo of him beside Gronk, and people were like, that's Brock Bowers? <laughs> How does he show up in these workouts? Because I don't think if he comes out of this and it's not like he just totally wows, I wouldn't consider that a bad thing because we see what he does in games and how he's able to turn it on. But just really fascinating to see what he looks like, how he shows up, because he's got a big opportunity, and he's sort of the guy – that I have the hardest time sort of getting a feel for where he could go in this draft. I think he's a top 10 talent, but how do NFL teams see him? Do they value that tight end position? Like, you know, a lot of Georgia fans think they should. Um, he's got a lot to prove and really fascinated to see what he's able to do. Yeah. The, the Falcons kind of uh, did him dirty there just because having already taken a tight end inside the top five and then, you know, to, have basically wasted that tight end's talents over the last couple of years. Uh, probably does not help Brock Bowers. And then also just immediately, uh, if you're taken inside the top five, uh, you become one of the top you know, five or six highest paid tight ends in the league. So from a positional value standpoint as a GM, you, the rookie contract supposed to be whenever you're able to you know, cheat as far as your talent acquisition. So if you're already paying top dollar for tight end, you've kind of failed that exercise. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think if if Brock Bowers works out, and uh, I mean, we know one thing Brock Bowers did nonstop at Georgia, and that was just work. So with his work ethic, I'm just curious if if he does run the forty, like what is the over under? I don't. I mean, the, I would imagine there's prop bets for everything, but what do we set it at? Like four four five zero. We do the over under at four five zero at you know maybe six three two hundred and forty five pounds, um, you know that that's kind of uh, you know the forty is always just the one aspect that everyone's going to look at, and I think obviously just based on uh, the high stake game, I just want to see the the vertical like just the uh, the guy, I mean basically levitated off the ground with one arm to get a first down, and so I just want to. The, the core muscle explosion that he has just makes me think that he's going to go out there and just do a Chris Conley, you know? I mean, that was that was that combine where you're like, wait, what, what? I don't, like, you just, you did not expect Chris Conley to do the things he did. He knew he was pre-athletic, but the man went out there and basically set, you know, broad uh, jump and vertical uh, records. And so, I mean, Brock's that kind of guy to where, I mean, I, I would imagine that they had to, you know, reset the, the vertical testing thing because he just probably would touch the top of it. It just seems like he's that type of player. So um, I know we're putting a really, uh, you know, the expectations are probably unfair, but I just, 
we just watched the you know the best tight end ever play college football for the last three years so um i think at the end of the day regardless of what he does i mean marvin harrison jr is not doing anything he's just preparing for his next season if he's got the tape to be able to do that and brock bowers doesn't then what are we even doing here it's a very good point and we will be tuned in all week there in indianapolis and we'll pass along stories and intel as these bulldogs try to prove themselves to the nfl brass Georgia men's basketball minute. Since the last podcast, Georgia has gone one and one. Had a very successful trip to Nashville, a 76 to 64 victory over Vanderbilt. One of Georgia's better shooting games of the season. Followed that up on Saturday with a tough home game against number 14 Auburn. Got it within three with like seven minutes left in the second half. And then it was all Auburn. Auburn winds up winning 97 to 76. Georgia has now lost six of their last seven games, 15 and 12. Really, really putting themselves in a tough position if they're going to make the NIT. I think it was sometime late last week that ESPN's Joe Lenardi had Georgia in the NIT, but they've got a lot of work to do, and it's going to a really key game is going to be Tuesday night at LSU. LSU sort of in that same position, and just last week LSU beat Kentucky, so I think it would really help Georgia's postseason chances if they can win that one. Only four regular season games left at LSU versus Texas A&M versus Ole Miss and at Auburn. Uh, so it's going to be a very tough close to the season, and Georgia's going to need some wins if they're going to make it to the NIT. Kip, I got to ask, uh, how, how did it feel being the temporary men's basketball beat writer while I was away? I mean, we came off a win. You know, uh, I co- I went one-on-one, didn't I, covering the games? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I broke the losing streak. Uh, you know, and someone had to do it. Um, well, granted, I I felt pretty confident I was going to be able to do that going in and covering a, a win. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I didn't have any gray hair before I covered men's basketball. So, um, this, you know, I know it looks strange to see now. It's just the effect you have covering, uh, you know, one week. Um, it, it is, it you know, it, it changes the person. So um i'm glad that you're able to to retake that responsibility and i have a newfound respect for what you do you know as the pa announcer likes to say in segment coliseum it's georgia basketball we are going to wrap it up right there i appreciate everyone who watched this live everyone who is listening to this after the fact thanks to kip and ben for taking some time on this monday to go through everything that's happened uh, get ready for what will be another busy week for Georgia. Be sure to go to dogs247.com. I believe right now we're running a 30% off VIP sale, so you want to jump on that. Uh, be sure to get signed up because spring practice is just around the corner, so we're going to be getting ready for that before you know it. Also, go to dogs247 on YouTube. Subscribe there. Once spring practice gets started, we'll have Kirby Smart press conferences, player interviews. Still have my quiet press conferences and Georgia men's basketball player interviews with what is left of this season. So for Kip Adams and Ben Wolk, I'm Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care, everybody.